Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 210 and we're talking about Uruguay, by tour or independently. It's quite, uh, I don't know, quite good, I guess, because this week we had a question on the community from uh, someone who's planning their trip over to Uruguay. I was wondering about how much time they needed and things like that. Yeah, so we're basically making an entire podcast just to answer that question. Hey. Wow, that's pretty clever <laughs> considering you uh, you wrote all these notes last week. Look, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> it's true. It has nothing to do with the question, but it is quite a nice tie-in. And so, you know, um, to the person who asked the question, you can believe that it's just for you if you like. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Spreading more delusions. Awesome. <laughs> well, this week we are in Parati, as we record, which is a town in Brazil. And I still haven't figured out if it's meant to be pronounced Parati or Paratai or... It's definitely not Parti, like Ange said to me the other day. Oh my if goodness. If you just rearrange two letters, that's what you get. Wow. <laughs> it's a nice little kind of colonial town, uneven cobblestone streets to, to, to fall over on after a couple of drinks. <laughs> but it's really and, pretty. Yeah, very pretty. Nice little port area and things like that. And uh, yeah, we came here after basically 24 hours on, on buses and in bus stations. It was a long As we trip. came up from Foz de Guasu. And the week before that, uh, we were in Uruguay and, uh, yeah, traveling around with Intrepid Travel, which we're still doing. Yeah, we were on a 17-day tour, and I think we've got about four or five days left. So it's getting towards the end, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing with them in this, in this podcast. Indeed we are. Well, before we get into that, uh, remember that you can help us and the Indie Travel Podcast stay traveling and stay running by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. We've also got uh, deals at slash deals and a growing list of day tours at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash tours. When you're shopping online, visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon before you go to Amazon. And you can also get a free audiobook with a two-week trial of Audible through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash audiobook. Don't forget our own books are at slash books, and you can also get a copy of How to Live Like Us, which is talking about our travels and how you can do it too, at indietravelpodcast.com slash books. Well, Uruguay. Uruguay. Now, I love Uruguay. It's a wonderful country. It, it is? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it doesn't get a lot of press because it's kind of sandwiched between Argentina and Brazil, which are the two biggest countries in South America, and two very, very large countries. And then just in the middle, there's Uruguay. And... It's one of those weird countries that starts with you and no one knows where it is. It's in South America. Cool. Between kind of Brazil and Argentina, I guess. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> awesome. It's a really kind of well-off country. It used to be known mm. as the, South, uh, the Switzerland of South America. And it's just a really pleasant place to be. Yeah, I think so too. It's got, um, it's yeah, a little bit more pricey than Argentina mm. most of the time. Um, at the moment, because... Brazil's economy is so strong it's a little bit cheaper than Brazil but um, you're still looking at maybe 25 to 30 US dollars per night for a, a room and a uh, sorry a bed in a hostel um, so those kind of prices yeah I think I remember we paid 18 US dollars and we paid US dollars as well which was really annoying that was one thing I didn't like about Uruguay was that they don't seem to like their own currency very much <laughs> US dollars will get you everywhere <laughs> sure will sure will now, one of the weird things about Uruguay, I think, is that they're, well, 
I don't know, there's lots to do, but there's not a lot to do. Mm. Tourism is really designed for South Americans going on holiday in summer. Yeah. And therefore, a lot of it's based around um, beachside towns. And that's the only thing you'll really see being promoted. Yeah. Um, Punta del Este, Punta del Diablo in the east, and Colonia in the southwest are really the only spots that you see um, kind of advertised and talked about. And so a lot of people skip Uruguay because they go, well, there's just kind of beaches and colonial towns, and I can get that in Chile or in Argentina or in Brazil. Mm. And you miss out on kind of what the country has to offer because tourism, international tourism, year-round kind of backpackery tourism isn't really, I don't know, it's done. It's just not talked about and not promoted. I think that's one of the things I like best about Uruguay is there is fewer tourists around. Oh, yeah. And it's just a nice, comfortable place to be. It is a nice, relaxing place to go and hang out at the beach or hang out in Colonia, which is a really nice, quiet town. And even Montevideo is kind of, you can't compare it to Buenos Aires because it's a lot smaller, there's a lot less going on, but it's nice and relaxed. It doesn't have that kind of frenzied go-go-go feeling that Buenos Aires gets sometimes. It's just nice. Uruguay is nice. It's a nice place to be. (laughs) Oh, I feel like I'm damning it with faint praise. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you are. Maybe you are. We've been to Uruguay twice now, both for about the same amount of time, um, like a a long week both times. (laughs) And uh, yeah, once last year obviously the last time we're in south america gosh that was about 18 months ago now wasn't it it doesn't feel like that long ago it sure doesn't and then um last week we were there as well (laughs) so our style of travel has been really different the last time we were here we were traveling with a few friends and we came down from um porto aguasu and came down and crossed into the country on a bus that basically took us all the way down to montevideo there we met up with some friends, some other friends, and we did some some other bits and pieces. So yeah, it was we all went very... to a lake house and visited Punta del Este, came back and went to Colonia. So it was all very independent and very let's turn up and find out what there is yeah. and, and go and see it. We really didn't do any planning. Every time we needed to catch a bus, we went to the bus station, we asked, we went away, we talked about it, we went back again, we bought the tickets, and every time we were looking for a hotel... We'd get on the bus, get to the place, look for a hotel, stay in that hotel. (laughs) There was a lot of looking and comparing prices. Yeah, uh, and this time we've basically done the opposite. Mm -hmm. We started in Buenos Aires, crossed over into Uruguay, and exited back through the same way through Concordia and up to Porto Aguasu. Yeah, it was exactly in reverse. When we left Uruguay last time, we went by boat from Colonia to uh, Buenos Aires, and that's exactly how we arrived this time. So it was almost exactly in reverse. Um, but the difference this time, I guess, the big difference is that now we've been travelling in a small group with a tour company. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning, we've been doing this 17-day Buenos Aires to Rio de Janeiro trip with Intrepid Travel. So it's been a completely different experience. It's quite strange because, as you know, we are the indie travel podcast we're not really the biggest fans of organized tours but this particular tour is kind of i don't know a halfway point between a tour and independent travel it's a basics tour so it basically just includes the transport and the accommodation it's all booked for you and you have a tour leader with you who kind of ushers you along 
that you're left alone to do whatever you want um, in the places where, where you hang out. So I suppose it's just taking out the stress of having to find the accommodation, having to find the transport, having to go to the bus station and ask for prices and all of that. So I don't know, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, um, now that it's getting to the end of the tour, we're beginning to look at what we're uh, doing next and getting a bit stressed going, oh, buses are really expensive, ah, flights are even more expensive, but we don't have to spend 40 hours sitting in our own air. (laughs) And and so that kind of, not stress, but kind of, yeah, your your head's taken up with all the mental calculations of what you're going to do. Uh, when you leave, but luckily that's still a few weeks away um, yeah, before we. Although that's why we, we leave Rio. About it now, because <laughs> if we're going to book flights, then we have to do that kind of today. Yes, today. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been quite nice not doing the planning. I remember when we first came down, we were looking at Porto Guasu to go down to Montevideo, and it was kind of. Not the ride from hell, but certainly the the organization from hell, as oh, we got given so much misinformation as we traveled down. Yeah, we, we started off in Puro Guasu and we went to the bus station and we were asking around different places, how can we get from Puro Guasu to Montevideo? Because that was our next stop. And one woman seemed to have all the information we needed. She said, all you need to do is catch a bus from here to Concordia, then wait, uh, that'll be an overnight bus. Then uh, there's a bus that goes every hour or so from Concordia to Montevideo. This was not true. No. Um, not true. Also, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't mention that the bus from Puerto Guasu to Concordia would drop us off in the middle of nowhere, in like on the side of a road, about a 15-minute cab ride from the bus station in Concordia. So we arrived, looked around, kind of went, where are we? Oh, we're nowhere. Yeah, having been told we'd be two to three blocks away from the bus station when we got dropped off, it was quite a surprise to be several kilometres away, yes. <laughs> being left on the side of the motorway in the middle yes. of nowhere without a town in sight. A rather intelligent taxi driver was waiting for us there, and uh, he charged us whatever he wanted to take us into town. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was an unfair price, but we weren't planning to pay for a taxi, and luckily there were four of us, so it worked out okay. Then uh, we got to the bus station. There was not a bus every hour to Montevideo. There were two a day. One had already gone. Uh, the other one wasn't going for another three or four hours. Well, we couldn't take that because the bridge was down. We waited another hour. Suddenly the bridge was not down and we could catch the bus. Uh, so we were planning on arriving in mid-afternoon. We ended up arriving at about 9, 9 p.m. Eight, yeah. It was, 8.30 sticks in my yeah, mind. Yeah, 8.30, 9 o'clock. So it was, it was a good five hours after we'd expected to arrive. And that's and not so bad. I mean, at least it was still during no, the day. And like, like I said, the trip itself wasn't terrible. It was the misinformation mm. and getting kind of dropped onto your face at every (laughs) stage of the trip as, uh, you know, you got left in the wrong place and the connection you expected wasn't there. So it became more expensive and more difficult and more time-consuming and you just felt like you were being given the runaround because it wasn't connecting with the information you had. So I guess there's quite a lot of advice you can take out of our mistakes, as there always is. Um, And one is... I mean, like, normally you can trust the people at the bus station to give you the right advice. You can trust locals to to help you out. But in this case, there was someone that was opportunistic and who just wanted to make the sale. Yes. So she was telling us what we wanted to hear. Um, and 
made, made her sale. sale. Yeah. However, we had no way to verify it because there isn't clear information online and uh, we didn't take the opportunity to ask around different travel communities, ask on forums and things like that to kind of help us plan our way in advance. Yeah. Now, thinking about how we did it with the tour company. Now, Intrepid, well, this particular tour that we're doing is using the same public transport as we did when we travelled independently. So how did it work for us? We went from we were staying in Estancia and we were dropped off by the Estancia owner in Salto. We had half a day there to relax in the hot springs. Then we took a taxi across the border to Concordia, back to our favourite city of all time, Concordia. <laughs> now this is where we got stuck in the motorway in the, in the middle of nowhere, caught the bus in and, and spent, uh, sorry, caught the taxi into the bus station and then spent several hours being frustrated and being told the wrong information. Yeah. Now this time um, we, we caught a taxi across the border, then we caught a bus, it was an overnight bus, all the way up to Puerto Iguazu. Then we had a transfer across the border to Fos de Iguazu. In terms of time, it was probably about the same length of time. And in terms of problems, there were problems. I mean, our taxi driver, when we were driving across the border from uh, Uruguay to Argentina, thought she got lost and she was kind of stressing out. And we, but we weren't stressed because we knew it would all sort itself out. We had lots of time for our bus and it was fine. We got to Concordia and we had about a two-hour wait. That was fine too, because we knew our bus was going to arrive, but it didn't. It was late. <laughs> so I suppose even if you're traveling with a tour, there's still going to be problems. But it's not your problem. Someone else is going to sort it out for you. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the, uh, well, that's a big advantage really, isn't it? If um, you do get dropped off in the middle of nowhere, hopefully your tour leader knows you're going to be dropped off in the middle of nowhere. Whereas we were kind of flailing around and, and getting more and more stressed and feeling more and more kind of done over and bitter with this woman that was now almost a thousand kilometers away that we couldn't scream at yes um and even just like thinking about the other way when we left Uruguay to go to Buenos Aires we caught the there's there's two ferries that run over there one takes about one hour between Colonia and Buenos Aires the other one takes about three hours and you know you go you pay your money, you get given a ticket, you go through customs, you jump on the boat. And that's all all sweet, all well and good. It's really easy. Um, and sure enough, with the tour company, we went on the same three-hour ferry that we had left on a year ago. And uh, it was all fine and easy and and no worries. The same as it was when we, when we left. Yeah. But this time we didn't have to spend, I think you and Janine spent about two and a half hours going backwards and forwards between the bus company and the different ferry companies and things like that, trying to figure out the best value for money for for getting over there. Yeah, because there just wasn't very much information online. It was quite difficult a year and a half ago. Things are a bit better now. I had a look recently. It was a bit easier to see. Mm. But it was difficult a year and a half ago to find the prices. So we went down to the ferry terminal and asked at each individual desk. And we also were thinking about what time we wanted to go. Do we want to take the 8.30 ferry? Do we want to take the 9.30, 10 o'clock one, etc., etc. So there was a bit more headspace. And I think that's, that's it. That's what we've found to be the big difference between travelling independently and traveling by tour you're exchanging your time for money so when we traveled independently we traveled at the same pace but with a bit more stress i think because we were constantly trying to work out 
what's the best hostel to stay at? What's the best hotel to stay at? Where are we going to go? How do we get there? Is it cheaper to go this way or this way? Because we were trying to travel as cheaply as possible. I mean, now, even after this tour, we're going to be traveling independently again. But I think we're a bit more relaxed and we'll be willing to pay a little bit more. And I think that might be the key. Pay a little bit more and just make a choice and then go with it. Yeah, I think you can burn. I mean, obviously, budget's so important. Mm -hmm. So, so important. And uh, this time we've got less money than we did last time. So we're trying to make it stretch even, even further. But we're doing it in kind of a different way. We're not getting stressed about every dollar that we're spending on everything. I think we're trying to do less stuff that costs money, yeah. if that makes sense, and, and not worry about how much we need to spend when we do need to spend money. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of this, this weird balancing act. I'm not sure if it's going to work out, but uh, we're giving it a go and we're enjoying it. For sure. Well, shall we move on from talking about these kind of practicalities and talk about some of the places that you can go in Uruguay? Yeah, let's do it. So let's start with Colonia. That was our first stop on this tour and our last stop last year. I love Colonia. It's this little kind of sleepy colonial town and there's not all that much to do. But it's just a really nice relaxed place to hang out. It's a good place to access or to leave from because it's only, as Craig said, three hours or one hour from Buenos Aires by ferry. So it's a really nice, nice way to go. Yeah, but you don't need to spend a lot of time there. It's it's pretty, but it's very, very small. Yes. So what you might want to do is go Buenos Aires to Colonia, um, leave in the morning so you get there in time for lunch, have lunch somewhere, find your, accom- uh, find your accommodation, have lunch, uh, wander around the town in the afternoon. There's lots of nice cafes and there's little squares, there's old town walls and little plaza letters and things like that. So you go and just have a look around, find somewhere nice for dinner, and the next morning you can just grab a coffee at any little cafe that caught your eye the day before, and then head down to the bus station and catch the bus away and onwards. Mm-hmm. Probably there's quite a few buses that seem to me leaving between about 10 and 12. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, so, you know, there's enough time to, to get up, take one last wander around, I think most people will be done by then, unless yeah. you're unless it's kind of time in your travels for a break. It's a nice place just to stop for several days, but yeah, if you're just passing through, one day's enough. Kind of one day's enough. It's also a good place for a day trip if mm. you don't have much time and you're in Buenos Aires, but you want to see Uruguay. It's a good place to visit just for the day. Yeah, yeah. Take the fast ferry. You don't really want to spend six hours on the ferry there and back. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, although the duty free might work out in your favour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Montevideo. Now this time we only had one night in Montevideo, which was enough time to see the old town and nothing else. Last time we had three or four days there, but we were staying with friends, so we basically saw the suburbs. And I don't know. I like Montevideo. It's really nice. It's relaxed. It's not the kind of place you go to see. It's not a there's a there's a theatre, but I don't know. I wouldn't go there to go to the theatre. It's one of those places that you go to and you just hang out. You soak up the atmosphere. It's got lots of nice old buildings. The architecture is amazing and uh, really good food. Yeah, really good food. Unfortunately, wine is more expensive in Uruguay than it Mm. is in Chile or Argentina, which is a shame because it means people don't know a lot about Uruguayan wine, but there's some really 
good stuff around the place. I think the Uruguayans like to keep it to themselves, actually. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Actually, we're can... drinking some Uruguayan wine right now, aren't we? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are in Montevideo, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of things to do. One of my highlights was probably going to a local cafe where the soccer was on mm-hmm. and watching the... Uh, the final or the semi-final of the National Football League. That was unbelievable. I've never seen, like, it was just a cafe. It wasn't a sports bar or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just a place where people were sitting down and having lunch. But everyone was focused on the big screens around uh-huh. the place. And people were, like, cheering, and not only cheering, but, like, singing supporters' <laughs> songs and chanting and while kids ran around the different tables and you know it was it it was weird there there was as much spirit and as much noise in the cafe as there would be in a soccer stadium in new zealand if they were watching the game like the cafe was probably louder yeah yeah yeah. it was amazing it was so incredible it was actually more fun watching the people Mm. than watching the game yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have much interest in the game, but it was great fun watching the crowds. I think my favourite time in Montevideo was the day that we first arrived last year. And, you know, so we arrived at 8 9 o'clock and went back to Matias's house. And um, I think he and you went to the supermarket and got some food and set up the Parisia and we had an asado and lots of good Uruguayan wine. We didn't eat until 1am and it just seemed so ludicrous, so ludicrously late. But the food was so good and it was so worth it. And and Janine were kind of falling asleep at the table. It was, it was just magical. It was very cool. Hey, there's some good art galleries around the place. Oh, I yeah, re- that was really cool. I really too. enjoyed um, a couple of the places we went in. And I knew find for this visit was the um, kind of the food market, which oh, is yeah. down at the port. Mercado del Puerto. Yeah, Mercado del Puerto. Lots of um, asado places, like barbecue places all pretty similarly priced so just go and choose one that's busy and oh my goodness amazing amazing food and it was so much food for the price we just felt like it was really good value yeah we ended up getting one piece of steak between us and i reckon it was probably about 350 grams Mm -hmm. of prime steak yeah and then we got a huge salad and and some wine yeah so we just we just split one awesome steak between us because yeah. that was that was enough i was even awesome. feeling a bit a bit bloated after that we were with another couple from our tour and they ordered um, a plate of meat each and it would just look like the most enormous pile of meat it must have been almost a kilo between them and they kind of managed to get through it, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't eat dinner that night one of the the highlights i think of doing this um this intrepid tour has been going to stay at the estancia pangia mm-hmm, ranch um, which is in the kind of central northwest, still of, north, north central, yeah, of um, of Uruguay. And this is something you can do independently. While our group of eight people were there, there were another two girls that had found about found out about it themselves and made their way there. But um, it was just something I would never do. I would never sit down in a cafe one day and go. What am I going to do this week? I know, let's let's go out to a ranch and, you know, like, go and chase sheep around on horses <laughs> and make sure the cows get their immunizations. That That's not something It doesn't that, occur to you? No, it's... My head just doesn't go there. And so, you know, when you're traveling with a group of people, there's always stuff that 
you're excited about and other people aren't and and then there's other stuff that you just kind of go to because everyone else is going there and I think this is what this Estancia trip was for me I was like cool it's it's on the itinerary it's there it's it's something very kind of south south american the kind of the gaucho lifestyle the cowboy kind of kind of way of life um but i it's not something i would have chosen to to go and do of my own accord but you liked it didn't you i did i had a great time it's <laughs> fantastic um it's hard to describe the atmosphere. Um, maybe you could talk about what it was and what we did, and I can have a think about why why I enjoyed something <laughs> I wasn't expecting to. Sure. Well, we took a bus, and Juan, the owner, picked us up from the from the bus station in what's it called, Taco Rembo or something like that. So, yeah, Taco Rembo. And uh, we had an hour in the minivan back to the ranch. Uh, Susanna, his wife, had cooked us dinner, and then we all got shown to our rooms. We had a private room. I think there's about twenty twenty five beds in there either doubles or triples or um, there's also a four-bedroom as well. So we all got given our rooms and very comfortable, very nice. There was an open fire. And the next day we got shown how to saddle a horse gaucho style and how to ride a horse gaucho style. Then we, we went out for a little walk around the Estancia to get, an, get a feel for horse riding because some people had never ridden a horse before. We had lunch, which was cooked over the open fire because there's no electricity in the ranch. They've got a generator for two to three hours a night and that's it. No, no phone, no internet, none of that, no electricity, nothing. There is running water. But I was looking at their website recently. I said, sometimes when there's not enough wind, they don't have running water either. So <laughs> it's very back to basics. But it didn't feel so basic because the weather was good, so we weren't stuck inside, and we were all sitting around the fire helping cook, and it was really nice. In the afternoon of the first, of the first full day and all day the next day, we went out on our horses, which we had to settle ourselves, and uh, we just helped with the tasks of the ranch. So one day we had to bring in the sheep and they had to be drenched and also some cows needed to be moved from one paddock to another and things like that. Yeah, so it was... It sounds really tacky, right? I don't think I, so. I, I don't know. I just... If, if I hear someone saying, you're going to go and have a, a traditional cowboy experience in, in the ranch, it just seemed... I don't know. It seems... To me, maybe it's just my cynicism, but it seems really, really cheesy and plastic. But what I found, I think this was the the magic thing, is that it was just life on the ranch for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't cook special food. They didn't prepare anything differently. It was no, they were eating the same food as us. Yeah, and they they live there, and that's their life. And their primary income and their primary job is the ranch and the work of the ranch and they've created a space for travelers to come in and take part in that mm-hmm. and they don't than, have people there all the time which i think is mm. quite important because if they had people there all the time i think they'd probably get burnt out but the way i understood it they only have people there maybe for three or four days every two weeks something like yeah, that anyway. it seemed to be they had people coming in whenever people kind of booked in but they don't publicize it enough for there to always be people yeah and i think i think it wouldn't be as good if there were people always booked in yeah yeah so it's i don't know it's it's on our uruguay page at indietravelpodcast.com slash south dash america slash uruguay and uh yeah it's on the the top 10 things to do in uruguay which we noticed after 
we went there. So um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it's, it's just one of these special things that, that other people have found out about it. And it's really cool and it hasn't been ruined yet. And so you should go, go. <laughs> go now before other people listen to this and go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think that the Estancia's Day was one of the highlights. It was something yeah. that we, we wouldn't have done independently, but we're really glad that we did do. I suppose the equivalent of of what we did last time was we spent time at our friend Matthias's lake house. So that was kind of away from the crowds, mm. very back to basics, just hanging out with the locals. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that was located just away from the other big tourist spot, which is Punta del Diablo, which is famous for its surfing and Punta del Este, which is famous for having billionaires build their houses right on the lakefront, yes. uh, right on the waterfront. Sorry. Um, they're both, kind of your, your summer beach vacation spots. And they're both really cool. Um, both, I don't know, yeah, definitely worth going to, I'd say, if you want time on the beach. They were, yeah. they were good places to go. Um, but nothing that really, I don't know, nothing that really stood out in, in my memory mm-hmm. for the location. Yeah, I'd agree with you. One thing we didn't do last time we were here was go to Salto. And this time... It was kind of just a stopover on the way to Brazil, uh, but I really enjoyed it. After a bit of a, after the two days on the Estancia, going to Salto and hanging out in the hot springs was really, really good. Yeah, all those tired muscles from uh, from horse riding, and uh, and also the quite not overly long, but quite long bus trip up from Montevideo to the ranch, a couple of days of horse riding, and then a bumpy bus ride up to uh, up to Salto. It was so nice just being able to sit in a roasting hot pool and you just feel all your muscles kind of expanding and going back to normal. Yeah, there were lots of locals there as well. So it was obviously something quite big for local tourism. Mm. And you could tell it was a tourist attraction because there were lots and lots of tacky kind of tourist kiosks selling lots of all sorts of, I don't know, just trash. (laughs) (laughs) But um, if you are passing through, if you're crossing the border at Concordia, then... um, then make time to stop at Salto. It's it's worth half a day if you can plan kind of your your bus there in the morning and then another bus away in the evening. Or uh, or if not, it, consider staying overnight and just spending some time relaxing yeah. in the pools. There's lots there's, of cool restaurants there as well. We had a really nice lunch. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, there's not much else. There's the hot pools no. and kind of the infrastructure that surrounds it, some good restaurants and... You know, things like that. Well, we are uh, closing in on 30 minutes already of this podcast, <laughs> so we had better uh, better head off. But if you want to know more, um, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash South-America has, uh, has links to our Uruguay page and lots of other countries in South America. So you can go there and, and keep reading stories and keep planning. That's right. Uh, talking about community wisdom, well... Someone's asking about Uruguay. <laughs> How many days to do it justice? What's your opinion on Uruguay? Well, um, Sam was saying he's coming from Buenos Aires and wanting just to do a just to do a jaunt. So he's suggested four days for Colonia, Montevideo, and away again. And I think that's probably the right amount of time. If you wanted to just see stuff instead of experiencing it. With kind of five days, you could probably justify going up to Punta del Este as well. Yeah. So you're, you're hitting the main tourist swathe of the south and the east along the coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you want to 
to jump back to, to Buenos Aires. But I reckon to do Uruguay as a country justice. A good week. <sighs> a good Thanks. week? I was thinking kind of 20 days to... <laughs> I mean... We've never had that much time. I know, and we've never felt like we've done it justice. This is true, this is true. <laughs> so... But I think yeah. if you spend a week in Uruguay, you can kind of start to absorb the atmosphere and start to feel like you've been in Uruguay. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah, I don't know. I think the places that we've talked about today, if you wanted to, to go and spend a decent amount of time in each of them and not feel like you're pushing it, you're probably looking at 15 to 25 days, I'd say, depending on what you're interested in and how long you spend in different places. And there's lots of other places around the place that you can you can dig into as well. So That's right. There's a um, lot to do. There's a lot to see. Yeah. It, I suppose it's one of those places where it depends on how much time you have. How yeah. much time can you give it? And, and how much do you connect with the people and, right. and, and the place? You know, sometimes it just doesn't suit your personality. You're right. 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 I've seen it. I've, I've got an idea. That's good enough. Yeah. For me, it's one of the places that I kind of connect with mm-hmm. and so I'm like spend your whole life here ah! <laughs> you know I can, I can go somewhere that isn't very exciting uh, that I like and and spend several days there without exactly. you know batting yeah. an eyelid and I could easily do that in, in several places in Uruguay mm-hmm. oh back to the community then Liana's asking about climbing Mount Kinabalu yeah if you have any advice drop in there um, Ren's asking about visiting the Great Wall he's got two places he's thinking about uh, visiting it and uh, both of them are equally unpronounceable <laughs> and uh, probably both of them have very different experiences so if you have been to the Great Wall of China then please come and give your advice to Ren and we've updated slash hostels with a new look so visit uh, Indie Travel Podcast slash hostels and let us know what you think we know we need to improve it but um, hopefully it's a step in the right direction yeah hopefully it's a bit a bit more helpful well, you can help the Indie Travel Podcast uh, stay traveling by booking through us. So do visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash hostels slash flights slash tours slash insurance slash almost anything else when you're <laughs> booking creative. your travel online. Uh, we've got deals updating daily at uh, Indie Travel Podcast slash deals and the new tours page at slash tours. And we've also got a library of books at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. There's books for solo travelers, for couples, for people going to Europe books to help you travel more and travel well and there's more on the way we're always writing <laughs> we are indeed uh well for some non-monetary ways of helping us out tell your friends about indie travel podcast leave a review for us in itunes thanks for the people that have been doing that recently they uh it really helps other people find us which is great and uh visit facebook.com slash indie travel say day and uh share that with your friends well that's us for this week until next week travel well